Well, let's take our Bibles and go to 1 Peter once again. The book of 1 Peter. And we'll be in chapter 2 this morning. Our theme has been and continues to be abounding in hope. We began in Romans 15 and now have uh, been in Roman, uh, 1 Peter 1 and finally got through the book of, I'm sorry, the first chapter of 1 Peter, just now starting 1 Peter 2. And I trust that this will be of help to us as we look to lay hold on the hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ and continue to serve the Lord effectively in these days that may seem hopeless. But while Jesus is alive and we are resting in him, we have hope. Our theme verse is 1 Peter 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We are now in chapter 2, and this lively hope that we have should motivate how we live. And as we get into chapter 2 and 3, he gets into a lot of the practicals of how we should live as those who have a lively hope, a hope that is alive. 1 Peter 2, 1 says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. If so be, ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Lord, help us as we look at your word here this morning, and I pray that you would give us uh, alert minds and open hearts and a yielded will to do what you'd have us to do this morning. Thank you, Lord, for your spirit that calms us and leads us into truth and convicts us where necessary. I pray that you would do your work, enable me to be able to preach your word here this morning effectively in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to look at specifically the matter of our new appetite for God's word. As those who are alive in Christ with a hope that is alive, we are new creatures and newness is a theme of 1 Peter. We'll talk about that more in a moment. Uh, we have new appetite. We should have a new appetite for the Word of God. You know, tastes sometimes have to be acquired. And there are certain tastes that uh, are hard to acquire. And some of us are more picky than others. I, uh, I, I have a sweet tooth. Actually, I think all of my teeth are sweet teeth. Uh, I love my sweets. And uh, back in January, February, I was uh, seeing, seeing a uh, a nutritionist with uh, the hopes of getting some help for some things, and uh, part of which was uh, head fog and lack of energy and ups and downs and so forth. And so I had to submit a weekly food log with what I was eating, and she figured out I was eating way too much sugar. I was eating over four, 40 teaspoons, I think, of sugar per day, which, by the way, is the average in the American diet. So I guess I wasn't uh, that I thought that was terrible, uh, 40 teaspoons a day, but that is the American average. Uh, you would be surprised how much sugar is in everything. And so she began weaning me off of sugar. She said, don't worry, after about a week, it'll get easier. No, after a week, I was raving mad. Uh, two weeks, she said, it'll be, it'll be a lot better. At least by three weeks. By three weeks, I was in a full-out sugar depression. I mean, give me sugar. Uh, but I definitely was addicted 
However, I have been getting used to it. Now, I'm not off of sugar 100%. I don't know that it's even possible to be off of sugar 100%, but I am drastically altered, I'll tell you that much. Uh, and it's interesting how uh, I do feel better, but I also have learned to adjust the taste buds. It's, it's amazing how, our, how our, our, our tastes can do that. And now when I have, if I snitch something, it tastes so sweet. It's almost, uh, uh, you know, jarring. But tastes can change. And as a Christian, uh, we have this analogy of taste before us because God is wanting us to see that we need to acclimate a taste for what is pure. The pure, sincere milk of the Word of God as opposed to maybe the junk food of this world that robs us of an appetite for His Word spiritually. Over time, with consistency we can see this, these tastes uh, cultivate, but as a new creature, this is what we are to desire. Verse 1 begins with that word, wherefore, and that is going to refer back to the, what came before. And so we're going to look, first of all, at this, that he wants us, God wants us to become what we are or become who we are. And so wherefore takes us back. And so do that if you would. Go back a couple of verses. Uh, verse 22 says, Seeing ye have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another fervently with a pure heart, uh, one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again. Here's that new birth theme again. Not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. He's saying you are different. There's something in you that is, that is uncorruptible. And this happened by what? By the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Contrast, all flesh is as grass. And all the glory of man is as the flower of the grass. The grass withereth and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. So this word wherefore is about to uh, draw, uh, indicates that he's about to draw some conclusions from what we've just heard, what we just read in the end of chapter 1. We've been born again, but how should this impact the way we live? Well, we're about to find out. And verse 25 says, we've been given the eternal word of God, the preaching of which we still need to listen to and we still need to be uh, changed more and more into the image of God. The word wherefore is this signal that indicates Something's coming based on something just said. And we're about to find out that uh, the new birth is not just about a home in heaven. It's about a new life here on earth right now. This analogy of the new birth, he mentions it in chapter 2. Wherefore, he says, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, but in chapter 1, this newborn babe analogy comes up a lot. And so he's just continuing that from chapter 1. In verse 3 of chapter 1, you can just glance there if you have your Bible open. In verse 3, he talks about he begot us again. We've been begotten. He has begotten us again to a lively hope. There's that birth theme. In verse 14, he calls us to be obedient children. In verse 17, he talks about himself as our father and our impartial judge. In verse 23, 
He says that we have been born again through God's Word. And then in chapter 2, verse 2, as newborn babes. You see, he uses this analogy quite a bit. He's talking about a family. A new family and your new place at the table. And this is to help us get a picture of all that we have in Christ. We have a new hope because of the new birth. We have a new father, a new family, a new faith, a new future, a new way of living. He mentions uh, not fashioning yourself according to the former lusts and your ignorance. We have a new way of fashioning ourselves, a new way of living our lifestyle and what we're conforming ourselves to should all be new. Folks, sometimes we have to take a minute and recall and remember, who am I in Christ? Who am I supposed to be? What is God doing in my life? This incorruptible seed that is in me. This is different than the world that is perishing and going to an eternal crisis existence. Who am I and what am I doing? Have you ever found yourself as a Christian in the wrong place, maybe with the wrong people, and you just said, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? I don't want to be here. I'm not supposed to be here. This isn't my thing. This is maybe what I used to do, but this is not part of my future. I've got to get out of here. You know, there are times where we as Christians need to say, who am I? What am I? And am I becoming more and more like what I already am positionally in Jesus Christ as someone who is born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible? Let me ask you this. Are you pursuing the new or are you falling back into the old? He talks about hope in this passage. And we're going through 1 Peter because of the theme of hope. And our theme for the year is abounding in hope. And you know, it is not hard to cling to God, cling to His Word when we lose hope. But sometimes when things are good again, we don't feel so clingy. And that's when we can easily fall back and have a short memory. I do this myself, I'm sure. We all struggle this, with this to an extent. But we need to pursue the new rather than just fall back into the old. We saw in the end of chapter 1 this analogy of the grass of the field and the flower of the grass. Are you pursuing the flower of the grass of this life? Or are you pursuing the eternal, enduring Word of God? Again, these people that he was writing to in Peter's day, these Gentile believers were just like you and me. They had ups, they had downs, they had times where they were desperate, they had times where they were hopeless, and they clung to His Word. And there's other times where life is good, and it's okay, and we don't cling to His Word quite as much, and we get distracted by the flowers of this world. Haven't you? You ever done that? Boy, when we got that notice from the doctor... His word came alive. But then when we got the good news from the doctor, wasn't long and his word was, you know, it was, it was, well, now I'm healthy and fine and busy again. I'll get to it. Now that's one way. <laughs> if you want to only learn the hard way, I guess we could do that. If God has to keep us 
desperate to keep us close. That's just what he might do because he loves us that much. I'm speaking to myself as much as anybody here. We need to learn to love him, not just in the down times, but because of how he got us through those times. And we, Lord willing, will talk more about that in the end of this message. Are you pursuing the flower of the grass? Or are you pursuing his eternal word, becoming who you are as a newborn child of God? Number one, be- become what you are. But now let's get into this verse some more. Number two, lay aside what you are not. Lay aside what you are not. Verse one, wherefore laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and evil speakings, and he goes on. So these are the things we're to lay aside. Why do we have to lay these things aside? Well, it is because they are standing in the way of our desire for the Word of God and what is eternal. This, all of the sins that you see on that screen or in your Bible on your lap that are listed there, these are sins that come out of hearts that are insecure. Insecure in who we are, insecure in what our purpose is, insecure uh, in our identity in Christ. When you are insecure, you find yourself with malice, deceit, that's guile. You find yourself, when you're insecure, dealing with hypocrisy. That is a sin of insecurity, if any sin is. When you are insecure in who you are and where you're going and what you're supposed to be doing and how well you're performing, when you're insecure in all those things, you will find yourself envious of other people who seem to have what you don't have. They seem to have what I'm trying to get, and why should they have it and not me? And before you know it, an insecure person gets very, very envious. Secure people rarely struggle with envy. Insecure people run the whole gamut, and they end up with evil speaking. I tell this to my kids. Any bully who belittles somebody else is an insecure individual. Any bully who throws his weight around to make a weak person feel weaker, that bully is actually the weakest one in the room. Bullies are insecure people. Not just bullies, but those who speak evil of others. Why do we have to do that? Because we feel the need to make them look bad so that we can look better. Especially taking the list that is before us. Malice, guile, that's deceit, hypocrisy, envy, evil speaking. You see that those sins, that's a batch of sins that's all in the same niche. It's all the same niche. It's an insecure person who is, who's forgotten who he is who's forgotten that he is a newborn babe in Christ with a new desire and a new passion and a new direction. He's lost who he is. He's gotten insecure and now he's looking around at other people trying to get his, his security uh, from other people, other things and, and other feelings uh, of security and, and it's not working and it never works. Only Christ can give security and so now we're envious of other people and now we have to speak evil of other people because we have to make them small so we can feel big and, and it's just a horrible mess. 
You know what the Apostle Peter is doing right off the bat here? He's not just saying, I want you to desire the Word of God more. He's calling out the underlying problem as to why uh, it's not happening in the first place. He's calling out their sin. And I believe that he is being specific because he knows who he's, who he's talking to. <laughs> he knows exactly what the needs are there. He's had conversations. He's, uh, he's been involved and he knows this is a need. This is cutting off their growth. And he nails it. Are you struggling with this? Well, what is malice? Malice is... Uh, a broad word. It can refer to all evil, but it specifically is dialed into intent to harm another person. Intent to harm another person. People who hurt other people are often hurting themselves. They are, they are uh, I've said it before this way, hurting people hurt people. An insecure person who doesn't know who he is, where he's going, what his purpose is, is there hope, is there not? He's lost sight of the new birth and all that that means. uh, That He just begins to hurt in life. And then it's easy to hurt other people and lash out in frustration. Why isn't my life the way it's supposed to be? Why isn't my marriage better? Why why don't my kids obey? Why aren't I making more money? Why is my health like this? And before you know it, all of this hurt clouds out any kind of eternal perspective of what God may be doing in a situation. And before you know it, we're just flailing. And when our arms are flailing, we end, to, we end up clocking somebody in the jaw. Guile and hypocrisies. This is a specifically the insecurities regards to, in regards to myself. And then uh, envies and evil speakings. That's my insecurities as they are reacting to other people. But all of this is fundamentally rooted in the insecurity that I have in my identity and the fact that I need to go back to that little word, wherefore, and figure out what is that supposed to do for me. Wherefore means take all of chapter 1, at least the last few verses of chapter 1, and stand upon that. Become who you are and lay aside what you are not. You don't need to be envious of anybody. You don't need to speak evil of anybody. They're not hurting you. They can't hurt you. They can't keep you from the will of God. They cannot destroy your life. Nobody can destroy your life, but you can. As the Bible says, every wise woman buildeth her house, but a foolish woman teareth it down with her hands. And it doesn't, he's calling out the woman there, but the men do the same thing. We can pull our own house down over, over our heads, but it's not going to be all of these people that are, we think are the problem. Christians need to be secure in Christ, in our identity in Jesus as a newborn babe, a child of God. If that doesn't happen, envy will come in. Because it's, uh, we are, we're dealing with the fear of man. Envy happens when I find my security in what others think of me. The, the fear of man will spring up and bring a snare. And evil speaking happens when insecure people try to find their security in tearing other people down that they feel threatened by. Christian, lay it aside. Lay it aside and go back to becoming who you are, secure in Christ with a new, a new future.
Insecure Christians will fall into these kinds of sin, but if we lay aside these habits, our security can be found in Jesus Christ. So first of all, we need to become what we are. Secondly, he says, lay aside what you are not. Get this sin out of your life. And before I go on to the third point, let me just say, because of the internet and phones and social media, it is easier than ever to succumb to these five sins that are listed. It's always been there. It's always been easy. It's always been in our hearts. But it's just easier than ever. Folks, be careful how you interact with people online and through text messages and so forth. Become who you are. Lay aside what you are not. And thirdly, feed like a newborn. Feed who you are, essentially. Who you're supposed to be, like a newborn babe. Verse 2, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. Now sometimes we read this wrong. Sometimes we, we run it all together. As newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word. That's not how it's supposed to be. It's as newborn babes, take a break, desire. Desire the sincere milk of the word like they do. We have some newborn babes in the house this morning. I saw several on the way into church, and that's always an exciting thing. Uh, I don't even know how many newborn babes do we have right now, but I think it's three or four, something like that, maybe a couple on the way. That's exciting. One thing about newborn babes, from the word go, they desire. They desire the sincere milk of mom. Uh, nobody has to teach them. They don't have to go to a class. It's just, rah! Feed me now. And they will continue to desire that all day long. And much to mom and dad's chagrin, they will desire it all night long. And mom and dad will eventually look at each other and say, will we ever sleep again? Will we ever sleep? I, had, I remember saying that with Samuel. I said to my wife at like 2 o'clock in the morning, "Hun." At that moment, it looked so bleak. Are we ever going to sleep through the night again? Well, we have. But we've had five kids, and all five kids, they have had no problem desiring that sincere milk from mom. Hey, that's how God made it. Why do they do that? I mean, nobody taught them. Why do they do it? It's in them. God created them with this desire. The analogy is this. Back to chapter 1, the very end, there's something in you, an incorruptible seed. Not corruptible. Uh, you are different. You are, you are now born again with the Holy Spirit in you. And if you are saved, you have a desire, but sometimes that desire can be quenched and satisfied by other things. And we have to step back and say, wait a minute, recalibrate. Who am I? I am new and alive in Christ like a newborn babe. What do they do? I know what they do. They desire fervently the sincere milk. Not some junk food that they may grow. Samuel was born three and a half weeks prematurely. And uh, 
he was um, jaundiced and so forth, and he was pretty skinny when he came into this world. But he made up for that pretty quick. He liked to eat, and he ate a lot. He was born in November, and by the time we went to the family Christmas in, in, with my mom and dad in Hilton Head in December, he was a blob. Sorry, Samuel, if you're listening to this online. Samuel's home. He's not feeling so well this morning. Uh, but, boy, I'll tell you what, he eats like his daddy eats, and he did that from the beginning. Uh, hey, I didn't have to argue with him. I still don't have to argue with him. He likes to eat. All my kids pretty much like to eat. It's a good thing. And they, they like to grow. All of them want to be as tall as me. Even my girls. Want, now, girls, no, no, no. <laughs> Take it from me. You do not want to be as tall as me. Uh, I, I'm six foot five, and that's about, that's about it for me. Uh, my, my boys want to be taller. My, my boys keep asking me if I'm, going to be, if I'm ever going to be as tall as Greg, uh, Craig Shetler. Uh, so uh, he's got me by a couple inches. You know, there's, there's something that kids love, and it's, it's growth. And how does it happen? It happens by what you eat. And as newborn babes, we need to be very, very conscious of this. So I want us to see three words from this verse. I've got them underlined in the screen. The first word is desire. This is a command. Desire. How do you create a desire, though? I mean, if you don't have a desire, do you have a desire for a new car? Do you have a desire for a new house? Great. What if I said, desire a dog? If you don't want a dog, that could be hard. Now, some of you, you want a dog and that's easy. Uh, what if I said, desire a cat? I mean, <laughs> Brad's shaking his head. Amen, Brad. I mean, no, no, it's just not going to happen. That desire is not there. Some of you, you have that desire. I will pray for you. No, uh, there are certain things that we just don't have a desire for at all. How do you create a desire? Well, first of all, when it comes to this, we know that God, if we are saved, has already given us what we need. We have the incorruptible seed from the Word of God. We have the Spirit of God in us. So really what we need to do is let that be unleashed in us. How? Well, we need to starve out the competing desires there are so many things that will seek to gratify though they cannot satisfy. And we sometimes are not astute enough to realize that we're getting shortchanged. Many times we think that gratification is the same as satisfaction, but that's not true. I listened to a, a podcast this weekend. It was very, very helpful. Uh, a fellow Ryan Swanson said his theme is less satisfied and more, I'm sorry, less gratified and more satisfied. It's a, it's a good little catchphrase. And I have been thinking about that as the Lord brings that to mind. Am I in this moment seeking gratification or satisfaction? Am I less about being gratified and more about being satisfied? You know, so it is with physical food. I have noticed, maybe you have as well, sometimes you eat that junk food and it looks so good, but it leaves you so ah, <laughs> empty. There's no energy from it. There's a big crash after it, you know, and, and maybe some stuff you eat and you're full five minutes. I'm sorry, you're, you're, not, you're not full five minutes later. 
There's a lot of junk that we eat that does nothing for us physically, and so it is spiritually. He's using a physical analogy that we can all relate to. We need to let our desire happen. It's a desire that is in us, but if we are uh, letting our desires be uh, gratified by other things, we're not going to have the satisfaction of the sincere milk of the Word of God. You've got to get rid of the junk food. And so we need to recognize if we're not reading our Bibles and we are born again, we are saved, we have to ask our, ourselves some questions. Where did that desire go and why? What has taken its place? For some of us, maybe it's technology. I think technology is a great stealer of our time and ultimately of our satisfaction. It would behoove us for us to look at our phone. They have these uh, health apps now that tell you how much you're on your phone. It is alarming. They'll tell you how many minutes. They'll tell you which apps. They'll tell you how long you spent on each app. You should look into that every single week. Hold yourself accountable. How much am I spending time on these apps, on these games, on this stuff? Because it is directly related to our desire for the Word of God. When it comes to physical food and how we feel, a lot of people don't like how they feel. They don't like how they look. They don't like how they perform. They don't like anything about what's going on. Uh, but they are unwilling to do the things necessary to make changes. Isn't that the truth? I mean, dietary changes, lifestyle changes, people don't want to do it. We want a goal, but we don't want to do the things necessary to get to that goal. So it is physically and so it is spiritually. Boy, I want to be able to get more out of the Word. I want to spend more time in the Word, but I can't keep my mind focused. Well, that could be the fact that you need to put your phone away while you read the Bible or, or find a quiet place or... or we have to take into account that there are competing desires. Decrease or eliminate the wrong spiritual food and increase your intake of the right spiritual food. More time in His Word creates and cultivates more appetite for His Word. More time hearing preaching will do a work in your life that will create more appetite for His Word to be preached. Some tastes are acquired slowly. Stick with it. Be deliberate and purposeful. Remind yourself often of who you are and where you're going and who you're not and what you're going to lay aside and continue to feed yourself like a newborn babe in Christ. Feed your desire for the Word of God. A couple of verses to this end. Job 23, 12. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. That's a hard one for anybody to say sincerely. How many of us would esteem the words of his mouth more than our necessary food? What a verse. What a truth. That's how important it is. Psalm 119, 97. Oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Folks, it cannot be your meditation all day long if you have not put a lot of time into it in the morning. There are so many things that immediately upon waking grab our attention. 
headlines, news, some crazy thing happened while we were sleeping, the stock market's crashing, and the gas prices are escalating, and all kinds of stuff. But we, if, if, we're, if we're going to grow, we've got to make sure that we are in His Word so that it can be our meditation all day long. Romans 7.22 says, For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. Our inward man does delight in the, in, the, in, the, in the law of God. We've got to cultivate those desires. And Jeremiah 15, 16 says, Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart, for I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. Is his word the, the joy and rejoicing of your heart? Feed like a newborn, the first the first word we understood and underlined was desire. Desire the Word of God. Feed that desire and starve out those other competing desires. The second word I underlined was grow. That ye may grow thereby. Growth happens through the sincere milk of God's Word. Tell me about your relationship with God's Word and I'll tell you whether or not you're growing. It, I mean, the verse says... As newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. If you desire his word and feed on his word, you're going to grow. So tell me about your relationship with God's word and I'll tell you whether or not you're growing. It is alarming to me how little many Christians spend time in the word of God. When I was 12 years old, I had grown to the height of six feet tall. Some of you kids might think that's cool. That's not cool. Uh, that's just weird. Uh, you don't fit into your class, and you don't fit into the older classes because you're still a little kid in a big body. And uh, it was, it, my 12-year-old year was a tough year, but we got through it. By the time I was 14, I was six foot four. So again, that's tall. Uh, freshman in high school and taller than all the seniors. I mean, I was homeschooled, but we were, in a, we were in a basketball league, so I got to be with other kids and so forth. Um, thankfully, I only grew one more inch after that. I'm 6'5 today, done growing, and I'm happy that I'm done growing. And no, I have told my kids, I am not going to be as tall as Brother Shetler. I'm not still growing. I'm all done, and it's a good thing, right? You know, if someone asks you, are you done growing? You're probably, if you're an adult, you're going to say, yeah, I'm done growing. That's fine. But what if someone talked to you about your spiritual growth? Sad reality, if we're honest, someone says, hey, brother, how's your walk with God? How's your time in his word? How's your growth in the Lord? Ah, brother, it's all right. I'm, I'm done growing. I was done growing back in 92 or whatever. Now, we, w we wouldn't say that. But let's just think about it. If the Bible says, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. If you no longer desire his word, you have desired all sorts of other things, and you're not reading his word and, and learning and studying his word, um, how are you going to grow? By what are you, are you planning to grow spiritually? You reading your Bible much these days? No, no, no. I'm done growing. Unless you have reached some kind of spiritual perfection and a maturity that I don't know anything about, 
no Christian is ever done growing in this life. And there is no Christian who has earned the right to set their Bible aside and now say, I have the right to pursue other desires. As newborn babes desire, desire the sincere milk of the Word that ye may grow. And you can't have the one without the other. Keep devouring the Word of God. That third word is tasted. If so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Have you tasted? If you're born again, you've tasted. And if you have continued to grow in the Lord, you have tasted His goodness and His graciousness. Psalm 34, 8 says, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in Him. Taste and you'll see He is good. He is gracious. Psalm 119, 103 says, How sweet are thy words unto my taste. Yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Back to verse 3 of our text. If so be, ye have tasted that the Lord is is gracious. Let me ask you, have you tasted the gracious goodness of God and allowed that to cultivate an appetite for more of the same? I mentioned before, why is it that we cling to the Word in the hard times? We feast on the Word in the trials. And if you're going through a health thing, you might have your Bible on your lap all the time. If you're going through a particularly stressful situation, you got your highlighter out and you are just marking things up and, and that's how it is. But what is it about the good times that will keep us feeding our desire? I'll tell you what it is. It's verse 3. If so be that ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. In other words... That's what keeps you coming back to the table. I've tasted how gracious He is with me. I fed on His Word all the way through the trial and He was faithful. I fed on His Word all the way through that problem and He was faithful and He was good and He was merciful and He was gracious. And now things are really good. But I'm not going back over there and over there. I've tasted His graciousness. I think I'm going to stay at this table and keep feasting and feeding, keep tasting the gracious goodness of God. Have you developed an appetite for the Word of God? I have heard many Christians say, oh, preacher, I don't know, it's just, the, the Bible is just so deep, I just, oh, I can't get anything out of it. And the prophets, oh my. And Job, Job, I'm one of those guys that argue forever. Who could ever read Job? You know, I'll be honest with you. When I first read the book of Job, I was like, whoa. Who could ever get through the book of Job? Now, it's a totally different story. I'm in the book of Job right now in my personal devotions, and I'm, I'm loving it. I relate a lot more to things in it than I did before. and I understand what those friends, those three friends are trying to do. I understand where they're getting off. and it, Every single chapter is, is, is coming alive. But many times we just check out too quickly. Ah, this isn't working for me. Develop an appetite for His Word. Taste and keep on tasting. 
Are you done growing? I hope not. Are you living according to who you were or according to who you are? What are you feeding? Are you, deserve, are you des- nurturing your desire for the Word of God? May God give us, as those who have a lively hope, a new appetite for the Word of God. Lord, thank You for Your Word, Your enduring, eternal Word. Lord, help us not to satisfy or try to satisfy the desire You gave us for Your Word with situations and sins that are, are just not going to ever satisfy. Lord, help us to lay aside this morning the malice, the guile, the hypocrisies, the envy and evil speakings. And Lord, to allow your desire for your word to burn in our lives, that we would taste and see that you are gracious. Help us, Lord. And if there's one here who does not know you as Lord and Savior, I pray that they would come to know you as their Lord, they would put their faith in you today. That's about nice, close to stand to our feet as the piano plays the song of invitation. Has the Lord convicted you? Maybe he's convicted you about laying aside the sins of malice, guile, hypocrisy, envy, evil speaking, these sins rooted in insecurity. Will you lay that aside and, and put your security in who you are in Christ? Will you feed on His Word? If there's someone here who doesn't know the Lord as Savior, I'd love to help you. One of us here this morning would love to take a Bible and show you how you can know for sure you're saved. It's the most important thing. Take a moment and talk to the Lord about your need this morning. I trust the Lord has spoken and He has touched your heart this morning and you've responded to Him. Pastor CJ is going to come and close us in a word of prayer. And uh, tonight, Lord willing, we'll be back at 6 o'clock for our life groups. And it's a time of fellowship. It's a time where we can also break down some application of the truth that we are hearing so that we can be changed by it. Uh, Pastor CJ, would you come and dismiss us with a word of prayer?